The Flood Resilience Committee of this Monday, February the 5th. And um, before we get started, since this is my only committee meeting today, I want to tell you that um, you know how you can you can answer the phone or go somewhere and say it's a great day in Mount Pleasant. It, it's a great day uh, for two reasons. One is Saturday was a great day, and I see Sophia from Channel 2 here. She was there. Uh, half the on-air people from Channel 2 were there as our community came together. Not the government, just our community came together and rebuilt uh, Eugene Gilliard's sweetgrass stand that um, had been hit by a car and, and demolished. And it was, I said, this must be what it feels like to be Amish when you have one of those barn buildings because people kept coming, food kept coming, people honking and waving as they went by. And that's just who we are. That's spirit of Mount Pleasant. And if you were with us when we went to Denver, you know, we said the, the challenge of that since we since we really played up our sweetgrass and our Gullah heritage and won, uh, All-America City designation was not just to use it for presentations, but to live that out every day. And sure enough, you know, we, we did it. Uh, our community did it. So there, it's also going to be featured on Channel 2 Friday night in the um, Everyday Heroes. Yeah, Everyday Heroes. And it's a great day because we have our, our special uh, speaker, Tom Mulliken, who I will introduce later, but it's great to have you here. And, and we arranged it to be a day where we're dealing with rain and drainage and resiliency, because that's our topic. Um, item two, approval of minutes from the January 2nd meeting. Mr. Chairman, yes. um, I'd like to make a, a motion to just allow us to correct a Scrivener's error um, that uh, can't be made until after the meeting. So um, I've already spoken with uh, Ms. Godsey and she understands it and it'll be made after the meeting. It's, it won't change anything in terms of uh, what, what went on that significantly. Right. But I just ask for um, the uh, committee's understanding sure. of that change. So how about the, um, the motion that we approve it subject to the uh, fixing of the Scrivener's error? I'll make that motion. Okay. Second? Second. All right. Any discussion? All in favor? Please say aye. Aye. All right. The motion carries. Item three is public comments. If you're here to make a public comment, please come forward to the lectern. I had a citizen correct me. It is not a podium. It is a lectern. <laughs> so I, I trust that. All right. Um, nobody here to speak? All right. Um, item four is continued discussion of common objectives between the town of Mount Pleasant and the state of South Carolina's resiliency plans. We're going to start with our own director of emergency planning and resiliency, Shannon Whitehead, and then uh, we will bring Tom Mulliken in to carry it from there. So, Shannon, if you'll just take us to it. Um, I would like to say good morning to you, Mayor, and community members. Um, again, my name is Shannon Whitehead. I'm emergency management and resilience officer here for the town of Mount so we'll go ahead with, uh, so the town has expressed to have South, uh, South Carolina Flood Water Commission Chairman, Mr. Tom Mulligan, come speak at our Flood Resilience Committee today. The town has created brief slides to present common objectives with the state's resilience plan and the town of Mount Pleasant's ongoing and future projects. We've also sent out a spreadsheet that is more in-depth to you because we would like to give our guest, uh, South Carolina Flood Water Chairman, Tom Mulligan, ample time to share information with the town. So I will go ahead with our slide. So strategic statewide resilience and risk reduction plan. And this basically came out of South Carolina's resilience plan. The strategic statewide resilience and risk reduction plan 
is intended to serve as a framework to guide state investment in flood mitigation projects and the adoption of programs and policies to protect the people and property of South Carolina from the damage and destruction of extreme weather events. They also defined resilience as SCORE has adopted the following definition of resilience guiding the work in this plan. The ability of committees, uh, economies, and ecosystems within South Carolina to anticipate, absorb, recover, and thrive when presented with environmental change and natural hazards. Um, with these next slides that I'm going to show, these are small resilient resilience initiatives that the town is doing. These are ongoing projects as well as future projects. Within the Excel spreadsheet that was given prior is um, a more in-depth of what the town is doing. Um, so I'll go ahead and read through these very quickly. So we've developed environmental guidelines of land development, a commercial low-impact uh, development program, established the Green Commission to advise town council on environmental issues, collaborating with Mountain Waterworks in Charleston County on Shim Creek Watershed Plan following defects, EPA standards and guidelines, construction of watershed-based CIP projects, hot pot and old village drainage improvements, adopting slab and grade fill ordinance, coordination with settlement communities in Charleston County to preserve cultural resources through grants and overlaying zoning efforts, developing local needs, risk, and vulnerability assessments for watershed-based projects, installation of full weather station at Waterfront Park in 2024, maintenance of water quality monitoring stations at Shim Creek and Corbett Creek, investigating installation of wind monitoring stations at each fire station and other critical town infrastructures. We have also um, ongoing and future projects development of Old Village Builders Guide for Special Stormwater Management Area, expansion of resilience element with, within the 2024 update to the comprehensive plan. Also ongoing hazard vulnerability assessment is taking place as of right now. This will help identify needs for critical infrastructure designs develop a flood mitigation and conservation map, complete green space assessment, as well as complete inventory and analysis of age of town assets. We've also, there's also designed all CIP drainage projects for build-out conditions for each specific drainage basin, and a floor plan review for stormwater management of proposed developments, required as-built for construction of all private and public information uh, infrastructure, update and adopt billing code every three years, to meet or exceed the minimum standards. And that's what we have for the town of Conflict. I appreciate that you have been busy with this. Your team's been busy with this. Ms. Reed's department has been busy helping us with this. Where did Kevin Mitchell go? Kevin, there you are hiding over there. Um, Kevin is like the boots on the ground for, for all of this. And um, Tom, as you'll see, we, we have a great team. Um, not only has our team bought into this, I'm sensing out in the community that our community has bought into all of this. And um, so we really appreciate the work that you've done. And I know you'll be back up here for our last agenda item. But thank you so much. Appreciate it. So um, now I'm going to I'm going to embarrass him a little bit because um, I just can't help this. It's not often you get to introduce somebody who is a retired general a karate black belt, a scuba diver, a mountain hiker, and I'm talking about the big ones around the world. He does enjoy like Sassafras Mountain in South Carolina every bit as much, who's a lawyer and a doctor of theology. And my only suggestion to Tom is maybe for the next stage of his life, he consider drinking decaf. And <laughs> because I get tired just reading your resume, but he is also the head of the South Carolina 7 
conservation expedition and they have included Mount Pleasant in that in a big way. As you all know, last year, many of y'all were on the bridge hike um, in this room. We, we had a big team for that. And this year, they've moved it to April. They're starting on Earth Day, so it's not going to be in the heat of July. And Mount Pleasant's going to have a, um, a presentation at the end uh, for, for like a resiliency and conservation seminar. So you are a friend of Mount Pleasant. Um, you're also the head of the State Floodwaters Commission, which is issued what we, what we just saw was that statewide strategic resiliency plan. And I asked Tom to come here today, and he's got an overview of what we're doing. But tell us, after all of that work um, that they did at the state level, how we make sure that we are meeting or exceeding um, those, those recommendations. So, Tom Mulliken, I think a round of applause is well deserved. <laughs>
conversation for political purposes, not for advancement of the environmental resiliency. So forgive me. And that's the exact opposite of what I've seen here in Mount Pleasant. The environment is not a political issue. And these challenges are very real. And unlike most challenges that we deal with in communities, society, and government, both local, state, and also federal, it's not static. So if you have me back next year, I'm going to tell you we burned another 8 million acres out west. And we sea levels risen. We may lose more residents because we'll see more intense storms. So it really creates an urgency. But that's also the conundrum. Because as you talk with people, if you make it sound too difficult, they turn you off. And we want to bring people to this conversation. What you've done here with your initiatives are great. I'll speak to a couple of those if you, if you don't mind. But I just would say that looking at what's there, the difference in this issue today that in 1980, it's hard to believe, when I served on Senator Holling's staff on the NOAA subcommittee, it's no longer an academic issue of money. We're measuring it. It's different. Like people see it, they feel it, they're concerned about it for very good reason. And we would start with one reason being that 40% of the world's population lives within 60 miles of the coast. Like right here in Mount Pleasant. And so we've got to do something. Talking is no longer enough. And that's really, and that's just to try to catch up not to lean forward, which is what we really need to do. Because if we want to talk about protecting our communities for our children, our grandchildren that are out there, our great-grandchildren for, for some of our friends, we've got to be progressive in how we approach these issues. Um, Paris Island in SC7 approached us about doing some work there. It's amazing. I don't know if they're any rings behind me, so I want you to know I'm a big fan, so don't kick me when I'm not looking. There is one. At least there one. is one. <laughs> okay, good. Maybe others. Thank you. I can't, I can't talk about the Marines. But anyway, I went down there. I couldn't believe the level of sophistication the Marine Corps has, has brought to dealing with coastal erosion, sea level rise, to that historic, important asset to the Marine Corps and also to the state of South Carolina. And we're now building off of there as a pilot project, an artificial reef that will be built around that island. That's one of the things I want to chat about here to start an ocean. So when we talk about the floodwater commission that was created and then the report that was written, and the report was written into the statute, the first recommendation was to create the Office of Resilience. And we we don't always get a lot of things right, but we got it right now. Ben Duncan is a brilliant, collaborative guy. He's put together a staff like no other to deal with these issues. And now they've got a resiliency plan, and now they're out there dealing with it. So you mentioned SC7. Let me just take a moment because it's a funny story. How did that start? We um, finished the report that many of you here helped with, and we 405-page report. I thought my two years of volunteerism on that project was concluded, and I took it to the governor, and I said, Governor, here's the report. Thank you for letting me serve. Oh, no, Tomcat. Now you got to sell it. And it was, he said, I don't want this going up on the shelf. Um, and I don't, I don't make this comparison in a way to draw negative criticisms of others, but I, I did spend two years on our board staff. And I've, I've spent a number of years now volunteering for Governor Castle. Vice President Gore is, is brilliant. 
with aspirational global plans. But this governor measures things in terms of what's operational because he realizes it's on us now. And he wanted something done now. He wanted people brought to the conversation. So shortly after that, my son and I were climbing Mount Everest in January, which I don't recommend. <laughs> I wanted to climb it when there was no I don't recommend you it any time. You got it to yourself. <laughs> and that's fine if you're 20, but if you're 63, it's not so cool. And while he was driving me out of the tent one day, I told him um, that there's got to be a better way to do the seven summits in the Himalayas in the winter. And we decided that we would put together this hike in July, and we'd done it for five years. And we would hike from the mountains to the sea because South Carolina, like no other place on earth, has two of the last great tippy places on earth, starting in the Jocasa Gorge in Appalachia, some of the oldest mountains, and Nays Basin. Those would be the two anchors. And we would hike largely the Palmetto Trail, 350 miles, and part of the Liberty Trail, and we'd bring it down. The first year, we did it. They just thought I was a freak, which is not an uncommon thing. <laughs> but last year, with the mayor's help and others, when we did it, we had embedded journalism. And because we had received so much attention, I had a marketing firm measure what the audience was for us, those that were following us. And during the 2023 SC7, we had 16.5 million people from California to New York following us. And it wasn't just print media, it was we had networks sending the story out. So what I tell you about that, if there's any if there's any lesson to be learned, is that people want good information. They don't want information filtered through a political lens. They want to know what's going on, and that's so that's what we're here to talk about. We we need to get back the way that I believe communities have built the kind of support for major infrastructure funding is to bring the public along with all the natural resiliency strategies you can and let them be a part. Three Earth Days ago, we planted 3.5 million trees across the state for what project we call Power Plant. And it wasn't just to plant trees, although one tree absorbs 10,000 gallons of water annually. It sinks one metric ton of carbon in life for tree. It's to get people involved in talking about trees, to plant the idea. And from them, that we now have seen more opportunities. Trees are an important part of a natural resiliency strategy. I want to go right, right to what I was had mentioned to the mayor. I was invited up several months ago to speak to a group of large property owners uh, along the coast. And land management planning is a very difficult conversation. And I started with, you know, I guess I'm old enough I could retire, so I might as well just tell you like it is. You got two options. You're either going to have more property that's worth less or less property that's worth more. That's what you're going to have. And if, if you want to flood it all, just keep going exactly the way you're doing it, put the impervious services out. And trust me, most of what has been predicted is happening. We're going to continue to see sea level rise. And while I said I wouldn't say it here or in public, the worst has not been reported. We had this past year the first, the first instance of malaria in Florida from a Florida mosquito, not malaria brought to the United States. Because we're seeing water in places that we've not seen water before, and we're beginning to see issues with big air activity. <laughs> 
bacteria and other types of bacteria. We're beginning to see the first instances of airborne pathogens. And we're beginning to see where ecology meets epidemiology. And that's where you really begin having a very serious conversation. What I would love to see is Mount Pleasant with this position of leadership take on the job, the very complicated, politically complex job of being the first to establish model regulations for comprehensive land management planning, bringing people who are heavily invested and bringing community leaders and bringing environmentalists together and having the conversation that most people want to avoid. It's a very difficult position because you have people that have a lot invested. Tourism is the number one economic sector in the state, $29 billion last year. You put all the agribusiness together, they tell you it's a little bit more, but you have to put forestry, different types of farming, tourism. Uh, what we're seeing here along the coast is really across the state is a renaissance of our environmental development. And this really will call attention to some things that people would rather not talk about. So if I had anything to say, I would say it's a conversation worth having. And what I can tell you is that when I spoke in that group to developers, they were very open to that. They, many of these groups are, are now beginning to understand that ecotourism is a big way for, for them to, to have ambassadors that begin addressing this issue. Along the coast, we need model local land management. And that gets to a couple of points with infrastructure and the kind of heavy investment. But what I'd love to see you do is I'd love to begin to pull off pilot projects and have us come down here and just take pieces of Mount Pleasant with spartina grass, with uh, different types of aquaculture, with oysters, with reef systems that we build, and take a piece and demonstrate to the world that we're coming together to address this. And what I can tell you is that Seeing this in Paris Island and seeing the types of broad collaborations that we've received and also enthusiasm of DFD, this is something where I think that Mount Pleasant can again be spotlighted. Bringing more elbow grease than money to the table. By the way, how do we get the uh, three and a half million trees? Not a dollar of government money was spent. Because they thought I couldn't do it, the Forestry Commission said they'd give me 20,000 trees and three and a half million seeds because they thought that's where it ended. And I went to the Department of Corrections and for good time they had the prisoners take those three and a half million seeds and put them in a small package. Or when I was growing up, you put them in a pixie cup. The three and a half million seeds one at a time is a lot of work. But what I have found is that when we ask people in this state, how are we solved with the state guard, will you volunteer? And will you make a difference? They will do that. So I would love to see a project where we, the green space assessment is vital and bringing back wetlands. You know, I, particularly standing here with my back, I'm typically a target, so I'm going to just put this out, and I know it's being taken. I'm probably going to be widely criticized. But I was asked about seawalls recently. That's been an issue real close to here. And when I was first asked about it, I was at, I was asked, well, what do you think about seawater? And I said, well, I don't know. Does it stop the water? Answer to that is no. It moves water. 
And I, without getting into that, I would, I would simply say that we've got to begin to change the optics on this issue. We, we're dealing with, the politics is very difficult because you're dealing with a, a global atmospheric phenomenon that most people are talking about, reduction in greenhouse gases, that manifests locally. So just getting into the conversation is different. But as somebody who's lived through the development in my career of many of the environmental laws, most of the environmental laws in this in, in advancements are about what's going on right here. The Clean Water Act is releases right here. The Clean Air Act is releases right here. The Resource Conservation Recovery Act waits right here. And what we're not accustomed to seeing is something that's not static. Sea level is going to continue to rise. And when I was asked what an alternative would be, I'd say since you built the city that we were talking about in wetlands, maybe you return some of the wetlands. And if you did, by simply moving things that are not of historic value close by, you could have, you could return wetlands and maybe retention ponds. And you could do that at a, at a much less cost. Because here, the challenge is, again, it's not going away. It's not going away. It's just like an army that just keeps on marching. And those numbers, when we talk about we're not modeling, we're measuring, they're, they're not in those numbers taking into account that they're not modeling Greenland and Antarctica, where we're seeing large parts of those ice shelves now beginning to break off. And ice coming from glaciers beginning to melt. What got me started climbing and now 27 summits later was that people everywhere I went talked about the environment, talked about glaciers receding. And what I can tell you is the greatest mountains on Earth, the highest, Aconcagua, the White Sentinel in the Andes, the highest summit in the southern western hemisphere. I didn't see ice until I got to the summit. Kilimanjaro, many people have done. I didn't see ice until I got to the top. As land ice melts and moves in, then we see sea level. And what the point I'm making is sea level rise, the, the measuring does not take into account what is also going on around the world. It's not going to be any easier, is the point. And so we need to begin to look, lean forward as to what is going to happen. Because some of the projects that are up, I don't believe that they will keep up with the level of sea level rise. And what we don't want to do is create a bowl like New Orleans, where we create protective measures, water gets over and we're holding it in, like what happened in the, was it the ninth ward at New Orleans. So I would, I would ask the council to consider having opening the conversation on comprehensive land management. I would ask the council to consider natural resiliency, where we create a, a global model with involving reef, some sort of aquaculture, living shoreline. And then something I've said from the very beginning, and people said when I said it, it was tossed to the side because it was too expensive. Several years ago, I spent a good bit of time in Fiji. The work that I was doing down there was on seabed mining, but while there, I happened to participated in witness moving indigenous <laughs> off of their ancestral islands because 
their islands never made it beyond high tide. This was summer visit. And I had occasion to talk to some people about Fiji water. And I'm not sure all that water is coming from natural springs, by the way. <laughs> I say it is or it. There were some comments made, and I said, why don't we create our own palmetto why don't we invest in a desalinization plant and don't fight the water? Welcome, contain it, clean it up, and sell it. And at the time, this was before we'd gotten around to talking about it, people, there were some that said it was too expensive. I personally think creating a strategy, public-private strategy around desalinization, welcome to the water, Call it hurricane water, call it metal water, but welcoming that as an opportunity rather than fighting. We're not going to win the fight. We're not going to win it. We can we can control what we're doing. I don't mean we're not going to win it. We're going to protect our pleasant, but we're not going to stop the water. And when nobody's talking about stopping the water, why don't we welcome it and turn it into something that would drive money into the community rather than push it away? Before I read this slide, the last thing I was going to say is that we will bring people to this conversation uh, by investing in ideas that are less costly and more of a risk. We, we need to, the green space assessment, the third bullet there, in my opinion, is one of the most important things. Not because of, not, and that's the other point, because when I say these things, there's going to be somebody, was that going to work? There's no panacea. There's no panacea. I can't give you one thing that's going to work. What's going to work is a menu of things working very hard. But when you start getting around to spending money, what I've seen is you better have support of the community to do that. Otherwise, it's going to be And the way to bring them to the table is have them. Exactly. I saw that on Facebook, man. I thought it was wonderful. I had thought about uh, your analogy of, of barn building. It's just people in this state will give when they're asked. And so let's bring them to the table. Give them good facts. Sixteen and a half million people listen to us every day because they wanted to hear about what was going on. They wanted to know. They wanted to know most people that we had the conversations with that were very passionate about climate don't know what the greenhouse gases are. Well, I think I talked about the last time. Like You won't reduce what you don't know. And the people that are most interested in, in reducing those need to know that there are strategies today that we can be deployed and we have in this state that we can do more as more people know about it. On the macro issue, on the micro issue, there are things that people can do. And I think returning to some of these uh, areas, wetland restoration is, is one way we can do it, a less awesome area that would become a part of the plan. Building the reef, building the living shoreline is a project where we bring our best and brightest minds together to look at that and pull off a piece that we can work with, like what we're doing in Paris Island, and then having that conversation, that very complex, difficult, economic, environmental conversation about comprehensive land management. Those would be the things I would say. Let me again thank you, Mayor and Council and, and the town of Mount Pleasant, for taking such a demonstrable global initiative. And somebody this is all I do. I'm old. And I, I see a lot of people talking, but not a lot of people do. This is no time for the tranquilizing of the graduates. This is time to get busy. So 
Thank you for allowing me to come in. Let me stop and answer your questions. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Committee members, I'm sure we have some, <coughs> some questions. Well, observations. Mr. Chairman, if I could thank Mr. Mulligan for all that he's doing for this state. Um, during our last meeting, I think uh, I had asked for our staff to reach out to you to look at what we're proposing um, in our resiliency program to see if it fits with what the state is doing. And I would just ask if, if, if that has been done. Have you had a chance to look at what we're proposing with staff, look at what we're proposing and see if it is all encompassing as well as if it's what the state is also proposing. And I know he, he may not remember because he looks at so much stuff. We sent him, because um, I got him and sent him to him, our low impact development standards. Right. We got some feedback on that. Um, we've talked about other things as well. Um, so I know there has been some of that. I don't think we bombard you with our monthly agenda, but we'll, we'll be happy to if you're looking for something to do. <laughs> I just want to give a little time to ask you what you've done with the staff is great. And I think that the, yes, I'm very impressed with what you've done. And I would say that Ben and Alex, and I'm sure they've also been in contact with the office of the agency is a tremendous asset. I think you're right where you need to be. Uh, now pushing it out and gaining, because what I would say with some of these projects, when we move beyond some of the, the natural agency are large investments, you're going to want that community behind you and you push it into that. So the idea is exactly what I need to do. Thank you. Yes, sir. Do you think we could um, get some of us, or, or Shannon, maybe, you know, I don't know if this is done. I've heard a lot about what's going on at Paris Island. I'd like to go down and see it. And I just wonder, I'm, I'm sure they don't like, you know, one small group 50 times a year, but maybe if we could team up with some other folks and go down there, maybe folks you know from around the state that we could combine a trip with and they could show us all at once. Yes, sir. We'd love to. I think I was called by the Washington Post once to go down. The people that want to see what's going on. And, you know, there's, there's a certain level of irony that what we're doing. Uh, Dr. Paul Gaines at Coastal Carolina has created a lot of science and technology around this. But we're, we're, we're simply doing what folks have done for a long time to help. The problem with building a reef where you're going to use it for wave attenuation is you have strong currents, mm -hmm. which makes building the reef very difficult. Somebody's been hanging on to the bottom of that reef with two large screwdrivers trying to put this together. But it's really a great success story for this thing. Reef, when we said we we're going to build a reef from North Carolina, Georgia, people laughed at us, just like they did with the trees. We have, I believe it's 24 sites that are already permitted. That's what we're working on. When we got started, is, is we, I think we all know that we started with retired military vessels of different naval, army, etc. We realized we couldn't do that any longer because oil-based paints, fluids, gases, etc. And so then we started using large conical cement structures but we needed to put those in with a crane. And that took like commercial or residential fishermen to want to, or residential divers that want to help us 
So we had our engineering students engineer 80-pound Legos blocks that, that fit together. And they got that engineered, and then we had Boy Scouts pour the cement with a contribution made by cement companies. And now we're using these cement blocks that we could have, you know, people work with us and take a boat four or five blocks. And of course, you were with us when we mm -hmm. had the effect there. So we tried to break this down where with oversight, people can help us build these reefs. And it's amazing. The reef is the, is, you know, incredible natural part of what the Lord had intended. Wave attenuation, breaking the storm surge, but it's also the kidney of the ocean where life begins. And we, we have videographic uh, equipment on there now where we can take it, put it right in the classroom six months after we get started. You see the marine life beginning to develop. We'd love to take it down. I think in April they want to do what warms up. Uh, we'll be in the water down there for a major press conference and we'd love to have council staff and others join us for that. We'll have some big That's Parasyl you're talking about? Okay. okay. We will definitely be in the water. I'll have a full face mask on with videos. I'll be giving a talk down on top of the reef. Would you talk a little bit about this year's SC7 and, SC7. and some of the changes? Super excited about it. Um, a little bit embarrassed because they're moved it from July and I know people are going to say I couldn't take it. <laughs> uh, I told them that it, it was fine if there was reason, so uh, a mutual, dear mutual friend of ours with the National Heritage Corps had been contacted by high schools. And of course, they're not in school during the summer. So we removed it. We're starting this year on, on Earth Day, April 22nd. And we'll conclude here uh, in Mount Pleasant and Charleston on May 22nd. The last three days, we'll have a, uh, a conference here to discuss these issues. And I'll, I'll speak to that just a little bit. But along the way, we're, we'll be meeting in, in high schools in the afternoon. We'll hike a total of 350 miles this year. We'll wrap the Chattooga, the first Guam and Scenic River east of the Mississippi. We'll kayak the Edison River, the longest black river in North America. And we'll end up diving, building our official reef off of somewhere in this area, while also down in Paris Island. We have four university sessions along the way. Clemson with IPAR, uh, Carolina with ecotourism, Francis Marion wetlands protection, and then down here in, in Charleston. There's a, a lot of information being put out, and most of that being related to the fact that we feel like we've got a megaphone now. People are listening and following us. This year, we will release a documentary that was uh, produced during the SE7 last year. Uh, very uh, Claim documentarian out of South America. Uh, he was moving back and forth between our projects and a series he's doing for Netflix with Elvis Presley's granddaughter. And he's the first ever documentarian to have a full length feature that was Harvey Newton. So he's not only a very accomplished filmmaker having trained in LA, but he's also a very committed environmentalist in Valley Cruises. So it'll be a month long. You don't have to come out for the whole thing. You come out in 350 miles or so, sounds like that's really not. It's 10 or 12 miles in the morning. We start with devotional, we then I I put everybody up to doing that day. We go to a local place to have lunch, which is why I can never lose weight. 
then that afternoon we have a fireside chat every night and we talk about these issues. And, it, and we've seen we've seen South Carolina residents move from Eagles this year because we feel like the conversation on a continuum has moved along. We're now going to be driving deeper into issues of, of EVs. We now have four electric vehicle manufacturers in South Carolina. We're now establishing ourselves as the most key town of the world. And with that, I think we have a responsibility to have our own infrastructure for fast refueling. And we're talking about those things. How do we do that without disrupting the grid? We're trying to get people to talk about these issues. Am I over time? No. We got another half hour. So much of this conversation to me like this has been arguments from bumper sticker politics. I've had people come to me that are very, like I told you, the greenhouse gases, it's, a, it's the biggest thing in their life to reduce greenhouse gases, except they don't know what they are. Yeah. When I go in, I especially like to do it in university, Oxford, thank you for having me come speak to you about what we're seeing. Which greenhouse gas would you like me to talk about? Man, that's a good question. <laughs> looking at. Carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, perfluorocarbon, hydrofluorocarbon, sulfur hexafluoride. Where are they? What is the global warming potential? So we're looking at that. Energy in this in this state, in this country, it's like full of politics, but nobody knows what we need to generate. I have people call me that are all been out of shape about what I said, well, how much power do we need to generate? Well, I don't know that. Well, what? You don't know that. Well, then what are we displacing? The answer is on any given day, we, we need about 10,000 megawatts when we turn our lights off. And as somebody who has been pretty passionate for a long time, what I can tell you is the day that we move communities in this state, when they turn that light switch on and it lights don't come on, we're going to set back everything we're trying to do to establish ourselves as a leader in this area. So reliability is a big part of that conversation. We've taken four coal plants off the grid, which is why we have the largest percentage reduction of anthropogenic interference in the country. We're going to take three more of them. And how much power do we have to displace there? It's about 2,300 megawatts. And we're doing that with utility scale solar. The point I was making at the conference is we're now looking at small modular reactors. How do we do it? What's the biggest issue as mayor that you deal with during a hurricane? <laughs> if you can just give me two or three, I'll pick one. Well, of course, wind. And, and, and damage, but then when there's no power. Power. And why is there no power? Because you've got lines down, <laughs> right? And as we talk about small modular reactors and going into communities in this state that desperately need economic development, we can put a small modular reactor at a much less cost than summer two and three in Columbia, put 150 to 300 megawatts and power a whole area. And so what you're going to see a lot more of in uh, since I'm already out of limb, we, you're going to see large industrial users go behind the meter because they can put their generation right there. See. So we don't want to be behind energy. We don't want to be behind transportation. We want to continue to enjoy this re renaissance of economic activity with manufacturing. And that requires a detailed understanding of this conference as part of SC7 is to move that conversation along. Great. Um, one of the things um, when I was up in Oconee County for the start of, of the hike, 
uh, last summer that, that you talked about and others talked about was it is possible to have uh, environmentally responsible policies and economic development. And um, I think Matt was in the room, our economic development director here. Um, one of the trends that you notice as you, you read things and you go to seminars is that they used to be looking for infrastructure. They look for, did, did y'all do an industrial park that's had three-phase power and paved roads? Now, the, the number one thing is what are your community values? And they are looking for values. They are looking for emphasis on conservation of natural resources. They're looking for energy efficiency. Um, they're not just looking for, hey, look what we paved and put power in for you. So. Um, I think we're very sensitive to that as a as a community. Um, the House committee earlier was talking about uh, small business. Uh, we have an economic development committee as well. Um, how to how to develop and attract and keep small businesses here as well. But um, statewide, are we doing a pretty good job statewide? We're we're headed to Columbia tomorrow for our legislative action day, so we'll be talking to those guys. I think we're doing an exceptional job. Okay, uh, that's why I worry about. Crossing over in, into uh, areas that would impact the liability, we we we're making a and there there's issues there. You know, we deal we deal with well, what is going to be the baseline as we take all coal off the grid. What what is going to be that basis for liability? Have we summer two and three gone online? We've got about 2,200 megawatts. The short answer to your question is I think we're doing a good job. And we are dispelling here in South Carolina, no place in the world, this public narrative that's existed for decades that you have to choose between environmental sustainability and economic sustainability. Because the truth is, if you don't have one, you don't have the other. And, and so when you talk about community values, Mayor, even with I, one of my clients for years was the largest hotelier in the world. And they brought me in to talk about sustainability. These large companies like that, and large properties, what are their two largest costs? Energy and water. And so to the extent that we can work with sustainability show, sustainability studies to show them how to the use of alternative energy and also rainwater collection, rooftop gardens, ways of walking through a, a menu and showing people and that that is an expression of your value because you're recognizing, in my opinion, the need to reduce the footprint, but also showing to them that you realize that they, they've got to maintain a profit to maintain viability. Mm -hmm. So, it, But it is a, once you get beyond bumper stickers, it becomes fairly complex. Yeah. It's a lot, lot to talk about. I'm proud this is a small step. I don't know if you'll get to see it today. We'd like to, but we, we have a third story like uh, veranda out there. We're growing vegetables up there. Oh, that's wonderful. And it's a great use of space. And everybody that's come in my office and seen it is fascinated by it. People are taking pictures of it, but it's a small thing. It makes a big difference. Last thing, um, in, in the whole overall thing about resiliency, um, it, it talks about resilience in infrastructure and planning uh, through conservation. And the fourth thing is through funding. And in the last 10 minutes or so that we have, you know, for us, uh, we can do wonderful things with more money. Um, yeah. It's always money. So um, whatever trends and things we can be looking for um, about funding to help us fund these things, I don't know what you came up uh, with or, or against, if that were the case. 
when you're putting the whole uh, initiative together, but we're all ears about funding. What I can tell you is that I, I try not to buy a pig in a poke to say, I don't know what's going on. So forgive me if anything I say is things wrong. There's a ton of money out there. Okay. I mean, if, if we, what we see is areas that, I guess that was a uh, town of Port Royal, worked with DNR, with the Coastal, worked with Marine Corps, worked with my nonprofit to pull in that little grant. Little is almost five million dollars, and there's monies out there. Hmm. It's it's a lot of elbow grease right. of creating those collaborations. And you know Jeff Scott, who's in the Arnold School of Public Health at USC, former state director. No, I'm sure you know uh, Jeff. I bumped into him. Uh, Paul Gaze in the Marine Science Program, Coastal. They're they're academics that are very good at writing grant proposals. And we've been amazingly successful at pulling out money for various projects. Yeah. We're working on up and down the coast. I'd be happy to I'm meeting have a dinner tonight with somebody out at Daniel Island on some projects they've got talking about grant requests. Yeah. Show them where NOAA's got money, EPA's got money, DOD's got money. Right. It's a lot of money out there. Yeah. I think we can go get some of it. So right. There's good news there. It's just a Sounds good. And, and another thing is, it's very. I'm sure your staff, in case, I got to turn around. And they're already doing more than they're getting paid for. Right? <laughs> yes. So you, you have to allocate resources to get this. Right. But we can make we can make that happen with some volunteers. So. Great. Thanks. Any other questions or concerns? No, Tom, thank you very much. We have one more item on our agenda, um, and that is consideration of adoption of our uh, hazard mitigation plan. So, um, Shannon, if you'll come up and walk us through that. And, Tom, I'll meet you out there in just a minute. Yes, sir. Shannon? Um, so, some of these slides have already been presented already. Um, we do have Nathan Slaughter here from ESP, who is helping with our hazard mitigation plan. It's kind of our last step. Um, so, what is hazard mitigation? Hazard presents challenges for the time not pleasant, flooding, poverty, damage, loss of power. Um, how does the mitigation plan include proposed solutions to those challenges identified by the town staff and stakeholders? So, as I said, I'm going to go through these very quickly. Um, the importance of having a mitigation plan, grant funding, which we have just spoken about funding. Um, helping communities become more sustainable and disaster resistant, knowing hazards in uh, disaster prone areas, identifying appropriate mitigation actions. Um, I know you've seen this slide before, but I thought these were very pertinent to what we were talking about. Um, this is part of our planning process that we had. Uh, we had a kickoff meeting, mitigation strategy meeting, second uh, agent PT meeting, and a plan presentation. We also had a stakeholder engagement. Um, some of the stakeholders were also have the Chamber of Commerce, Department of Homeland Security, Virginia Energy, Peacekeeper Medical, Mount Pleasant Chamber of Commerce, Mount Pleasant Waterworks, SEMD, South Carolina Port Authority, uh, neighboring jurisdictions, and Charleston County. We did do public engagement. Um, this is part of the uh, uh, hazard uh, community that was over at Trident Site in Modern County. Uh, Advertises various public engagement events. I was at this public engagement event. Uh, we had 88 responses. People were very receptive to signing up for our action alert as well. A lot of people have come up with um, The hazards that were identified, there's a list of them in our hazard mitigation plan. Uh, just briefly, hurricanes, flooding, sea level rise, earthquake, tornado, wildfires, tsunami, dam failure, drought, severe storms, sinkholes, 
public health emergencies, extreme heat, winter uh, weather, shoreline erosion. So we also have technological hazards as well as human caused hazards. Um, the Talamont, the mitigation strategy, Talamont uh, has mitigation. Uh, there are three main goals. First goal is uh, practice risk informed governance that will help create a more resilient public. Goal number two, strive for whole community capability growth related to hazard mitigation and resilience. Goal three, implement nature-based solutions to achieve greater resilience. Um, also with our mitigation action plan, uh, identification and analysis of mitigation measures, uh, prevention property protection, natural resource protection, structural projects, emergency services, and public education and awareness. Um, there were 70 previously identified mitigation actions, 49 new mitigation actions, with a total of 119 full mitigation actions. And that's very uh, lengthy. Um, so the plan maintenance requirement for our town hazard mitigation plan. The plan will be thoroughly reviewed by the town of the hazard mitigation planning team every five years to determine whether they have been any significant changes in the town of Mount Pleasant that may in turn necessitate changes in the types of mitigation actions proposed. News development and identifying hazardous areas and increased exposure to hazards and increase or decrease capability to address hazards and changes to federal or state legislations or examples of factors that may affect the necessary content of the plan. Uh, the plan review provides town officials with an opportunity to evaluate those actions that have been successful and to explore the possibility of documenting potential losses avoid due to implementation of specific mitigation measures. The plan review also provides the opportunity to address mitigation actions that may not have been successfully implemented as a sign. The town's emergency management and resilience officer, which is myself, will help coordinate the reconvening of the hazard mitigation planning team and conduct the five-year review. So our next step. So the plan has been approved by SCMD and FEMA with no revisions needed. I will let the committee and everyone else here know that FEMA and SMB was very impressed by hazard mitigation plan. They also asked to possibly use certain portions of it to help other towns as well as jurisdictions. Do we get a royalty on this? <laughs> <laughs> we should. I mean, we paid for the work. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so, and you have to think, with over 500 pages, to have no revisions. That's amazing. It is great. So the team. Did a great job as well as ESP who put this together. So our next step is to ask for the Full and Resilience Committee's recommendation to report to council to adopt the town Mount Pleasant Hazard Mitigation Plan as an addendum to the Charleston County Hazard Mitigation Plan. Next would be the plan goes before council to be adopted. Is Charleston County's plan as good as our plan? <laughs> so we're proud of our addendum, right? Okay. We need I'll, a move, I'll move that we adopt uh, the flood resilience hazard mitigation has, has mit mitigation plan. Second. All right. Uh, we have a motion and a second. We're in discussion. Any comments? All right. All in favor of the motion to approve it, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries. Thank you very much. Great job on that, by the way. Appreciate it. All right. That completes. Um, Item number five on our agenda, item number six is to adjourn. Thank you all very much.